So it's become our, our tradition here at Christ United Methodist Church to uh, intentionally reflect on our mission statement this time of year for our annual stewardship series. We spend three weeks talking about uh, loving God, serving others, transforming lives. As traditions go, you know, spending a few weeks each year focusing on the way that we live out our faith is a good one. Uh, and in fact, this Sunday begins a season of traditions that really takes us all the way into the new year. First up, of course, is stewardship. We'll spend three weeks talking about uh, the connection between our mission and the important spiritual discipline of giving. Uh, this Sunday, or this series rather, will wrap up on Celebration Sunday on October 29th. Celebration Sunday includes a long-standing tradition here at Christ United Methodist Church. At the, at the end of the worship services that day, we'll bring forward our financial commitments for the coming year of ministry because, you know, stewardship is a fundamental part of our spiritual journeys. And then so after stewardship ends, then comes All Saints Sunday. Uh, the first Sunday in November, we'll name the, the members of our congregation who have died in the past year. We'll remember all those in our lives who have joined the great company of saints in heaven. All Saints Sunday is always a, a beautiful and poignant day. In my opinion, it is a, an important precursor uh, to Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then uh, we'll have a two-week series on gratitude and preparation for Thanksgiving because in the midst of family and football and uh, more food than we should reasonably eat, it's good to remember the spirit of and inspiration for the holiday. So we'll spend a couple of weeks reflecting on the many blessings in our lives. Um, and then it's the season of Advent in preparation for Christmas. And listen, <laughs> yeah, if this is going to be your first Advent and Christmas here at Christ United Methodist Church, talk to anybody who's been here, you are in for a treat, prepared to be delighted. This is an incredible place to call home for the holidays. I'm talking about the decorations up here on the chancel, um, the music, the special events, uh, the full orchestra on Christmas Eve, the whole shebang. It is amazing. Uh, and just in case you're keeping track, uh, and I keep track all year round, we are 70 days, that's precisely 10 weeks until Christmas Eve. Uh, that means that we're 11 weeks away from New Year's Eve, which means that before you know it, it's going to be 2024. And so uh, in preparation for the coming of a, of a new year, every year before the wonder of the holiday season begins, we take this opportunity to talk about stewardship in the context of our mission, and we're beginning today with the idea of loving God. Now, I think it's a, it's a safe assumption to say that every person of faith uh, takes seriously their relationship with God. For all of us, uh, God plays some kind of important role in our lives, and that shows up uh, differently for each of us. In fact, as United Methodists, what we believe is that um, even those who are very new to the church, who are just learning um, what it means to follow Jesus, we believe that they're being invited into a relationship with God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that as we um, continue to grow in our faith, we are growing in our love for God through the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. So the question um, for us as we begin this stewardship season is what, what does loving God look like in practice in our day-to-day in our -day lives? Assuming that each of us loves God, how does that, how does that shape the way we live? It's, it's far more than just a feeling that we have about God. 
Uh, one of my very favorite movies came out the summer after my freshman year of college. I actually watched it last year with my oldest son, Max. Happy to say that it stands the test of time. Um, maybe you've seen it, Dead Poets Society, stars Robin Williams in the lead role, and he plays um, a high school English teacher at this very high-tone uh, private boys' school in New England. He's teaching the, the sons of the well-connected and the powerful who will surely themselves go on to be well-connected and powerful. And he's uh, encouraging them, in addition to whatever um, noble professions they will end up pursuing, he's encouraging them to be passionate about the most important things in life. Because, uh, you know, how we make a living is one thing that's an important thing, to be sure, but what we live for is what matters most. And there's a great scene uh, in which he's talking about the power of words and language, <clears throat> poetry and literature. He's, he's in his class one day. Some of the kids are kind of skeptical about why they need to read literature and poetry when they're gonna go off and do these amazing things with their lives. Uh, so he's talking about that. But, but he could just as well be talking about God and faith, uh, which of course we believe is what give our lives meaning and purpose. And so I thought we'd take a look at this clip now. Words and language, no matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Now see that look at Mr. Pitt's eye, like 19th century literature has nothing to do with going to business school or medical school, right? Maybe. Mr. Hopkins, you may agree with them, thinking, yes, we should simply study our Mr. Pritchard and learn our rhyme and meter and go quietly about the business of achieving other ambitions. A little secret for you. Huddle up. Huddle up! We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. To quote from Whitman, O me, O life of the questions of these recurring, of the endless trains of the faithless, of cities filled with the foolish. What good amid these, O oh me, O oh life? Answer, that you are here, that life exists and identity, that the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. That the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Meaning and purpose, salvation and eternity, uh, these, these are the focus of the Christian life. And we all, as the people of God who love God, play an essential role in the life of the church whose mission it is to carry this message of meaning and purpose, salvation and eternity. We can and, and should be passionate about the work of the church because uh, 
each of us has the opportunity and the honor of, of adding our own verse to the great hymn of the church. What is our verse to be? Well, our scripture for today is an important uh, story from Jesus' ministry because in it, he gives us the marching orders for our lives. Um, early in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus preaches his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. We spent a, a fair amount of time uh, on the Sermon on the Mount in a couple of different series earlier this year. And at one point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Uh, because our, our long tradition is important. And now here in the 22nd chapter where we're going to read today, in the last week of his life, just days before his death and resurrection, he comes back to this point. So this is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Uh, listen, friends, for the word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant, the evangelist Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. This is not a, a friendly question. He says, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's helpful, I think, that Jesus simplifies things for us by giving us two great commandments, love God and love neighbor. We're gonna get to the second one next week when we talk about serving others. Uh, but what exactly does it mean to love God? This is a little trickier than it might seem at first glance. Now, you may know that there are several different words in Greek for love. Uh, there's the Greek word for romantic love, and there's a Greek word for friendly, kind of brotherly, sisterly love. The Greek word that, that Jesus uses in our passage today is, is the one for divine love, which is agape. And if you read the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 13, which is a very popular uh, reading for weddings, you get a good sense of what agape is all about. The challenge for us, though, is that we, we so closely associate the word love with, with feelings of tenderness, with, with feelings of um, affection. But that really does undersell what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, hopefully our love for God includes those types of feelings, but Jesus says that our agape for God must include our hearts, our souls, and our minds. In other words, it should be the foundation of who we are and how we show up in the world. This is not just a feeling that we have about God. This is no ordinary love. This is no easy love. This is no kind of comfortable, sentimental love that's not at all what he's talking about. In his commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, uh, biblical scholar Douglas Hare writes this. He says, in an age when the word love is greatly abused, it is important to remember that the primary component of biblical love is not affection, uh, but, but commitment. 
Warm feelings of gratitude may fill our consciousness when we consider all that God has done for us, but Scripture demands of us stubborn, unwavering commitment. That's what love's all about. And that's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about, which of course uh, is worth it because in God we find meaning and purpose, salvation and eternity. Our lives in the church are about meaning and purpose, salvation and eternity. And as we write our own verse in the great hymn of the church, God, God deserves our stubborn, unwavering commitment. And so that's why uh, we commit ourselves to a faith community. That's why we worship together every week. That's why we serve together. That's why we grow together in our faith. That's why in our daily lives we practice some kind of prayer routine, whatever that looks like for every one of us. That's why we, um, we live a life of devotion. That's why we study scripture. That's why we let faith inform our views of the world and current events. When Jesus identifies the two great commandments, he says, on these two hang all the law and prophets, which means that they are a summary of and not a replacement for all the things that we do as God's faithful, which of course includes financial stewardship. For as, for as long as the people of God have been the people of God, I'm talking about going all the way back to, to Abraham, giving has been an important part of our spiritual practice. And I'm obviously, obviously biased on this. But I cannot imagine a more worthy investment than the, the institution in our lives whose mission is about the most important things, meaning and purpose, salvation and eternity. Our call as the people of God who love God is to be stewards of that message. There was a, a ranching family out in cattle country. They had lots of, of animals, but um, their dog, Gus, was uh, truly part of the family. I mean, he had, he had been with them through thick and thin. He had protected their kids from coyotes and rattlesnakes. He was just the best dog ever. And as always happens, he'd gotten a little older. He'd gotten a little more frail until one day he went, he went on to heaven, which, of course, is where all dogs go. <laughs> And so they, they went to their church, First United Methodist Church, and they, um, they went to talk to their brand new preacher. He's a, a young kid who'd just gotten there. He was fresh out of seminary. As my dad would say, he didn't know come here from Sikkim about what it meant to be a pastor, but he was doing the best he could. And they didn't really know each other yet because, like I said, the kid had just gotten there. But uh, they asked if he could do, um, you know, a little funeral service for their dog in the church. And he was very pastoral about it, but he was, he was kind of flummoxed. He, he apologized. He had never studied about that kind of thing in seminary. He said, you know, he couldn't really do a, a funeral for a dog in, in the church. And this couple, they understood. They said that they would see if their, their friend's church down the road could do it. And they said, you know, we're, we're not a member of that other church, but we'll make a donation since, uh, you know, it's kind of an unusual request. And as they were leaving the office, they said, um, we're planning to give uh, $10,000 for the funeral in memory of Gus. Gosh, we love that dog. Do you think that's enough for such an unusual request? Oh, I'm sorry, said the preacher. Um, I didn't realize Gus was Methodist. I can actually do that service on Thursday for you. <laughs> there are lots of jokes <laughs> about church and money that preachers can dust off during stewardship season. Uh, 
I'll probably have two more in the next couple of weeks. Just prepare yourselves. <laughs> but the thing about stewardship uh, is that it is not about the church's budget. Now, the church has financial needs, of course. A uh, church our size has a significant missions presence. You know that. It's going to be on display next week, in fact. Uh, we have a large campus to maintain. As you know, stuff is starting to break around here after a quarter century, just like my house, which is the same age as this church. We have to pay those bills. Um, we have an appropriate size staff to care for. We have financial responsibilities to our denomination, the United Methodist Church. So the giving of church members meets the practical needs of the church. But the theology of stewardship is not about the church's needs, it's about us. It's about our spiritual lives. It's about our spiritual disciplines. It's about the ways in which we're growing in our faith. And it's always been this way. For as long as people have been in relationship with God, giving has been part of the story all the way back to the early chapters of Genesis. And so when Jesus commands us to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, to give our stubborn, uh, unwavering commitment to the one who gives our lives meaning and purpose and offers us the gifts of salvation and eternity, he just, he just assumes that generosity is part of that relationship because it literally always has been. And so uh, during this season when we're exploring the practice of generosity through the lens of our mission as a congregation, may we spend time uh, intentionally reflecting on how our love for God is lived out, how our love for God impacts our day-to-day -day lives, how our love for God uh, shapes our commitment to Christ's church. As we add our verse to the great hymn of the church, what is our contribution to be? Amen.